you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. You wanted the best. You got the best. The greatest kiss band in the world. Does anybody? Has anyone ever figured out in all 13 years we turned this month that I stole that from Kiss? Kiss Alive One. That's that's their opening when they do that. So yeah. I, we, we, and, and I'm of the vintage Chris. Where ah, I we have to get that. We have a fan of Kiss. Two fans actually. And so we stole that. We thought it was a great pitch. But if you haven't figured out where that is from, shame on you. Go. Go listen to Kiss Live, one, two, three. Anyway, guys, I'm Chris Voss, if you've never met me before. The host of the show, at least that's what the, the title says they sell. They they prop me up every day, and, and we put up podcasts. You may have heard of it. Anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. We certainly appreciate you guys being here. We have an amazing uh, guest on the show, Mary Ann Snow. And she's She does a lot of things. She She's a multi-hat wearer, if you would, a multi-serial entrepreneur, if you would. So we're talking to her about her things that she does and how she accomplishes them. Uh, in the meantime, always go to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Put your arm around them and say, have you joined the family that loves you but doesn't judge you, the Chris Voss Show? I'll see our big LinkedIn group and our LinkedIn newsletter and all the stuff and all the crazy places we are on the web. We have today Mary Ann Snow. She is Sophia's founder and CEO. She's a recognized remote work expert with over 18 years experience helping organizations use remote work and distributed team strategies for cost-effective business growth and competitive market advantage. Her and her team focuses on the human side of remote work throughout the pandemic, which is probably really good for remote work for their business <laughs> consulting. Her and her team applied their expertise to help companies rethink their business models, stay connected with their people, and assess their strategic risk. Her goal is to help her clients build greater business resilience, learn new school skills, and school school and the new skills, <laughs> and leading dispersed teams and productivity plan for the workplace of the future. I'm just adding to your bio as I go. Welcome to the show, Mary. How are you? <laughs> I'm great, Chris. Thank you very much. And yes, the pandemic was quite an experience for a lot of people, wasn't it? What? There was, did something go on the last two years? <laughs> I'd say that uh, you want to talk about a proof of concept that we could do way more than we think, thank God, yeah. with technology these days. And think about all the people in the world who kept the world running, even though we were doing it from our closets, from mm -hmm. our our kitchen tables and and God only knows whatever else is sitting behind our virtual backdrops. I'm looking to go ultra remote. I want an ultra remote situation where I can be as far away from my boss as I possibly can, not have to do any work and still receive checks. Do you have a program for that? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so give us your dot coms. We're going to be talking about a couple of different projects that you're working on. Give us your dot coms so people can look them up on the interwebs, please. So our website is our business-to-business, B2B consulting company. It's 
It's S-O-P-H-A-Y-A dot com. And then we've got the Remote Nation Institute where we're standardizing work practices for folks who have to manage these types of organizations. And that is remotenationworks.org. Come and find us if you're leading remote teams, if you want to work distributed teams, and if you want to know how to manage Chris Voss, you know, when he's off gallivanting, Come and talk to me. I'll help you with that. Don't don't talk to her, please. Please let, <laughs> let me gallivant away. So let's talk about the, the first company first, Sophia. Tell us about what you offer clients, how you work with them. I'm sure our LinkedIn crowd was going to love this data. So it's no surprise to anybody that, you know, the pandemic obviously forced a lot of people into flexible work. But the reality was, Chris, is no matter how many headlines, whether we're talking about people like Elon Musk or we're talking about folks before him, IBM, who claim that they're, they want everybody back into an office, the plain fact is with globalization and companies that are distributed, you know, they sit in more than one place, the likelihood that you're going to be sitting in the exact same geographic location as your boss has started, was already starting to shift before 2020. And then in 2020, it really took a turn. It, It became front and center. So we work with organizations that have been trying for years, really struggling for years, thinking about how do you how do you take a global team or a national team or even a regional team that's sitting in different locations? How do you keep them engaged? How do you actually keep them in the know? How do you build trust, but also hold them accountable? And how do you shift the way that you're thinking about how you're going to get the best value out of that team? Yeah. And so you come up with, a, it sounds like you were in the business for a long time before COVID. And so you guys already already have system downing. COVID probably, like you said, proof of concept. Yeah, it was interesting because I've been working in distributed teams and remote teams since the 1990s. And and actually, I was running national teams of folks, and, and you want to get a big kick out of things. When I first started, the only technology that was available was VHS tapes. And so if we wanted to get a message out to a national group of folks on the team, I would have to go into a video studio, get videotaped. It would go on a VHS tape. We would then make copies, which I would put in envelopes with labels and take to something called the post office. (laughs) I've I've heard of that. I've heard of that. Yeah. And, you know, so I was working in international finance and with international financial service teams. And we, the only video channel at that point was Skype. And there was this little product that was just starting to come on market that I started working with called SharePoint. Microsoft's big Kahuna, you know, collaborative team program that they're pushing a lot right now. And uh, I was actually working with the with the Redmond team because I was a beta tester very early on and was already convinced that it was a really great platform to use. Yeah. And and so on your company's webpage, you guys offer what you call the Sophia method, four-step process. Talk to us about that and how you help companies, you know, implement and do so. 
Yeah, so I ironically, in 2020 and 21, wrote the book, literally wrote the book. It's coming out on September 13th called Remote Work Handbook. Uh, And the four-step process really boils down to, first of all, do you have a strategy that implements, that integrates and implements remote work very deliberately and consciously into your business objectives so that you can get your leadership on board and get them, you know, informed. And the second piece is we help you to assess your operations to really kind of think about how do you start integrating some of the best practices into Mm -hmm. every level of your organization. The third piece is your talent management cycle. Once you have it built into operations and you're bringing people in, what does that look like? What does an interview look like when you never meet that person in person? Mm-hmm. What does that, you know, what does that integration process? What does the, how do you get them, you know, how do you get them connected to your culture? So we help companies really kind of think about that piece. And then we help them by teaching them the business skills, both at the leadership level and the employee level so that, so that people know how to do it and do it effectively. That's awesome. I mean, you know, it's, it's a good drop-in plan where people can learn everything, how to get from A to Z. I know you have some different partners that you use on your website too for helping design remote work and it's good to have different kits i guess yeah and it's you know we work with all sorts of really kind of you know because people always say to me you know not everybody can do remote work and i kind of chuckle because you know even if you own a retail store that has a brick and mortar presence and you sell things over the counter If you talk to vendors online, if you have, you know, connections with people that you are doing via phone or, you know, you do emails with people or you send them letters, whatever it is, you are actually engaging in some form of remote work. Mm -hmm. So even very traditional companies are really kind of thinking about things differently. And quite frankly, technology is disrupting a lot of things. During the pandemic, we're now working with healthcare systems that are thinking about different ways like telemedicine to connect with their patients. You know, we're thinking about um, different ways that retail companies that have receptionists, different types of organizations like banks. We worked with a hearing aid company that had hearing clinics. We worked with a very large-scale autom- automobile company. Um, mm-hmm. It's an international company. Everybody knows it. it. begins with a T. And quite frankly, <laughs> they're thinking about the way people buy cars now in comparison mm-hmm. to how they used to. So we were helping them to bring their dealers in so that their dealers could start to really reimagine how they're going to interact with their customers in the future. So we're talking small scale, big scale, manufacturing, energy segments, financial services, name a business. And it's quite possible that we've had a conversation with them. So what's the future of remote work? Do you see, I, I know people, some, some companies have been trying to claw back workers in the office and they've met some significant resistance. 
people are very spoiled by this program, and I think they they feel that maybe their life quality, the quarter of life is better. I mean, I've seen a lot of people talk about how, you know, I'm not stuck in traffic four hours a day. My life quality is better. <laughs> and sometimes they're switching to other uh, employers for remote work. What What's the future of, of things seeing? Are we going to refill all these empty leasing buildings I see everywhere around me? Or... Well, the reality is that every employee survey, every labor market survey that has been done by all the big consulting companies indicate that flexible work is going to be a differentiator and something that puts you in the preferred employer category in the future. Wow. I think, you know, and I think what's really important here is, is Chris, I want you to think back on the last, the last two and a half years, right? So we told people who had never worked from home that we were going to send them home. We told them they were going to have to do it whether they liked it or not. Even when school was out, they had to homeschool kids. Daycare was gone. Going to the grocery store was hard. Everybody's fighting for internet bandwidth. And we made it work for two and a half years. And now that things are opening up again, what managers are telling people is you have to come back to the office because I don't trust you. So you saved our bacon <laughs> during COVID and the last two and a half years. But if you don't come back to the office because I don't trust you, and guess what? A lot of people are are not loving that too much. You know, feeling disrespected, mm-hmm. basically saying I saved your bacon and now. You are telling me I have to get in a car. I have to drive to work for two hours when the gas prices are astronomical. Yeah, that's true. And uh, now I have daycare back. My kids are going back to school. And you're going to make me come back into an office for what? (laughs) And here is the, you know, the really crazy part. The really crazy part is very often when people are getting back into the office, they're not going into conference rooms to meet. They'll actually meet from their laptop and do virtual meetings inside the office, mind you. (laughs) That is crazy. I haven't heard that. So basically, instead of, you know, walking over to Bob's booth, you're just like, yeah, I'm just going to call Bob on my laptop because I've been doing that for the last two years. There's no reason to walk five feet to his booth because, you know, I'm used to this, right? Yeah. And quite frankly, we were going in that direction anyway because everybody was already feeling from, you know, 2008, 2009 with the financial crisis, you and I both know that teams got leaner. And people were doing more with less. And then we had the great resignation. We had COVID. We had great resignation. And, you know, yeah, people are not willing to put up with what they put up with before. Well, plus no one wants to go to Bob's booth. He's, he smells bad and he always has fish for lunch. <laughs> Please. In the microwave. No, that's right. You know, Chris, you named something really great, which is, it's like, don't over romanticize the office. Do you think it was that great before? And, wasn't. um, no. I mean, it was just, it's the same as people working from home. People are just on YouTube between Tuesday and Friday or OnlyFans, you know, doing whatever. You know, well, well, like Monday yeah, was the I'm, day that they were working. I'm going to push back on that because this is a joke. the people the people who were working in your office uh-huh. are working out of your office. The people who weren't working in your office 
are not working outside of your office. So there were always slackers. Yeah. Slackers existed in the office. All right. So I'll give you their working Monday to Tuesday. The rest of the time they were on YouTube. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, that's a joke. I, you know, this is what we do on the show. We bring levity or is levity? I don't know. Comedy. We try and read comedy. We call it comedy, but it isn't funny. Anyway. So have we, have we plumbed enough about Sophia? Should we move to the next company or yeah, well, uh, more we, we left off? I think, you know, the Remote Nation Institute was born in 2020 because we were getting inundated with calls from folks who were really completely, absolutely fluxumed because they had no idea. It's like, what do I do? How do I do this? And, you know, so they were trying to really kind of think about how they were going to do it and how they were going to get it done. And they struggled. And so Remote Nation Institute was conceived in pretty much overnight. And in that time frame, what we did was we started. I think we lost your audio, Mary. We'll be back with Mary here in a second. We're enjoying the remote networking issues that people have to to remote networking. There we go. Let's see if we have her back now. Hey, I've got you. I've got you on audio. Let's see. Uh, Mary? Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you. We, I can uh, hear you. I just, for whatever reason, my cam has decided to. To uh, call it a day, huh? To call it a day. But. Well, the podcast is all audio. We can just finish off doing the audio that sounds great there you go so you were starting to tell us about remote nation institute the remote nation institute got started because in early 2020 we were getting inundated with calls from folks who were struggling right it just hit everybody really hard and we had expertise that was really important to share so we, we stood up the, the Remote Nation Institute in about two weeks, and throughout 2020 into 2021, we did pro bono webinars and consulting with every company that came to us that had questions because we knew that the world was really, really struggling, and we felt an obligation to make sure that if we had concrete practical tips that we could give people that we would do that and help wherever we could. Mm -hmm. So that's really good. And so you've got courses on the site and stuff. We've got courses. We have self-paced courses, e-learning courses. We do a professional certificate program that we've made available to people so that they can learn a standardized set of business skill practices specifically related. We do executive coaching. We do planning with our clients. But the other thing that we do is we do lots and lots of webinars and conversations like this, Chris, where mm -hmm. we get out in front of folks and let folks know that, that this is not only a viable alternative, but quite frankly, 
is something that that is a big dif- business differentiator and a competitive advantage for folks who are deliberate, very deliberate in how they're how they are applying it. Awesome sauce. What's some of the courses that you cover there that are on there? If you want to just give us a sampling. Sure. First of all, you know, let's get practical, right? Running a meeting mm-hmm. and running a meeting in lots of different forms these days because not everybody's in the room. So you might be doing an in-person meeting, but you might be doing a hybrid meeting with some people in the room, some people out of the room, or you might be doing an all virtual meeting. And, and how do you keep people engaged to your point. How do you use humor effectively? How do you get people to participate? How do you take care of things? Managing interpersonal communications, multi-channel interpersonal communications. And how do you build trust and and how do you overcome misunderstandings with your with your remote teams? How do you engage people? There's lots and lots, endless topics. It's you know People are messy, and any time that you have to interact with people, mm-hmm. we can help you think about how to do that in this construct. Yeah, I think I, I think a rule that we should probably make. I've had this theory going on in my head is that when we do Zoom calls, everyone should be naked. Now there shouldn't be anything showing, but everyone should just be naked. Does that sound like a good idea or a bad idea? <laughs> well. I had a, a breastfeeding mom <laughs> coming into my calls mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, we can only see her from the neck down. So oh, there you go. There you go. I mean, it's all about what so... you can see. I mean, what about Jeffrey Tubin? I've seen it. No, I'm just kidding. We don't want to get into that subject. But no, it's good that there's. Remember when you're. <laughs> Remember when you're. <laughs> Here, let me write this down. Note to self, don't be Jeffrey Dubin on a Zoom call. That joke will never uh, I'll be I'll be riding that that joke horse and call back till I die till I die. And he got his job back too. So I mean, maybe if you want a promotion, that's the thing to do. I don't know. Don't do that, folks. Don't do that. These are jokes. We do jokes. So Mary, so you've got a lot of great data and information on there. And so so companies can use this and then they can they can hire you and basically say, Hey, to their folks, go through these videos, go through these trainings, and whatever you're struggling with or whatever you need to do, you can you can find this as a resource. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're here to help, mm-hmm. and we're here to give people an advantage because, you know, yeah. quite frankly, you know, the world changes all the time. And when the world changes, there's opportunities lost, but there's opportunities gained. So it's the folks who are the early adopters that are going to get that first mover advantage. So we're yeah. helping them do that. It's really interesting to me that the people who have embraced remote work and have mastered it, or, you know, they're trying to master, I don't know if anybody's the greatest at it. Maybe somebody is. You, you probably have a good idea if anybody's really got it down well, but I think it's still a, a moving target. But, you know, it's interesting to me how there were people that, you know, they jump ship. They'd be like, oh, you want to claw back, bring us to the office? Yeah, we're we're going to go with another employer. You know, you saw some high-level people leave at Apple and change the change their clawback policy because they're like, oh, crap, we're going to lose good people if we do this clawback. It's really interesting, the balance. What do you think about the hybrid sort of thing where, I don't know, people come in the office every other day or something or half the week and the other half they don't is 
Is that going to be a successful thing in the future? I mean, maybe you got to at least, you got to show up once a week and, you know, have a meeting and just let us know that you're wearing clothes or something. <laughs> well, for one day out of the week, you know, you're not running around in your pajamas. Well, but if I'm effective and I'm making money for you, why do you care? You know, why is that a problem? You know, so I think it's important that we're really kind of saying to ourselves, what do we care about when we're thinking about, you know, what we're paying for with our our ease these days? And I think it's important that most people know that that Apple's not the only one who clawed back. Elon Musk, who is, you know, Mr. Get eyeballs on on social media made a big exclamation and a big proclamation that had to be clawed back as well. He's already clawed back on it. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's not the only one. And the reason why is because, you know, in the end, if you are dependent on your team and your team tells you that they can't work in the work environment that you're setting up for them, then why is it so important that people be physically present if they have the setup to be able to very productively get their work done? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a, a big question that I say to people a lot. Why is it important? Why, you know, really kind of think about what it is that you're objecting to. And if it comes down to you want to see people because you want to see people, then whose problem is it? Isn't it employee's problem or is it your problem? Uh, you know, it's it's kind of that old world. Is it old world thing? Is it become old world thinking now to we need to see people working or else? That- well, I went to my first in-person networking event and I was, I was, I was pretty amused by the fact that there were a lot of individuals in that room sporting their, you know, high-powered suits and doing a lot of fist bump pumping and chest bumping, you know, just to make sure that everybody understood that they were there and they were in the room and they were doing their thing. And so I'm like, how do you know that you're the big cheese if nobody actually can see you? Right. And so I think we have to really kind of think about why we want folks in that space. Now, I will also tell you that, you know, there will always be value to in-person stuff. Mm -hmm within a context, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, if you're going to bring people together, then do you want to maintain an office and pay that rent mm-hmm. when people only want to come together once a month or mm-hmm. maybe they're coming to the office once or twice in a week mm-hmm. and you still have the same overhead? So why is that a good business proposition for you and how is that going to impact your bottom line yeah yeah i had heard i don't know if this is true i think it was a survey or something i saw on linkedin that they found that most people that were coming back to the office they were just spending all their time socializing around the the water cooler like it was like it's you know they were just catching hey what did you do this week ah we took the kids for a barbecue and and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like they weren't doing anything. They were actually using it as like, it became like a social event. Like when you go to the bar or the club after, 
after work and socialize. It, it almost became like that instead of people going and going, we should get to work now at our desk for a change. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I'm going to go back to what I said before. There were always people who were using work as more of a, a social event. And there were people who were actually getting the work done. Yeah. And here's the interesting piece. I will tell you that if you looked at that survey, it said, yes, they were glad to go back to the office and see their buddies. But then they said, can I go back home tomorrow to work? to get my work done. So, and appreciate that even really diligent employees coming back into the office, if they're getting pulled into meeting after meeting, or if they are getting disrupted because they haven't seen someone for a while, then it's harder to get your task list taken care of. And so, you know, you have to balance those things. You definitely do. What do you think about, you know, we've had a lot of people on the show for remote work and book authors. What do you think about like the software? I feel like there's some sort of software that will track whether you've been working or not. You no, know, I think it's, this goes back to, do you trust people or don't trust people? And, you know, ultimately, <laughs> you know, ultimately, you know, if you set up a, a culture where you're going to track people electronically and you're going to put them in a police state. And I don't care. I mean, people do this in an office. People do this with call centers. They do it with all sorts of different stuff. And, you know, appreciate that you'll get a certain level of compliance, but you'll also get smart people who are going to figure out how to game the system. So you're not necessarily going to get better productivity. You're just going to get people who are going to get a little more savvy about, you know, if they're, if they're going to figure out a way around it, mm-hmm. they were going to figure out a way around it no matter what. And, you know, I used to, I, many years ago, had a locksmith who once said something really profound to me. And he said, he said, you know, locks keep honest people honest. <laughs> you know, years ago I read it was it used to be over there Tom Peters' book Thriving on Chaos, and one of the, I believe it was one of the chapters he talks about trusting people. He's like the more trust people have, the more honest they'll be, or the more they're entrusted with, the more honest they'll be. And he wrote he wrote in his book about how nuclear people worked at nuclear plants. You know, they're trusted with something very powerful. Right. They're usually very responsible. And I took that and ran with that. And then I almost bankrupted me and my companies. And what I realized is he'd missed a key note. The reason those people are responsible is, yes, they know they can kill millions of people if they screw up, but they can also kill themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a personal interest of dying in pain. If you steal staplers from my my storage room, no one's going to die. So I learned the hard way about that. How do you feel about that? I mean, is it, is it, is, I mean, we can trust people, but isn't there a certain point, like, like you say, with the analogy of the lock where certain locks keep people, I mean, how do we measure or, 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 I don't don't want to ask for the secret sauce that you think, uh, but uh, what's good ways to measure whether people are being productive or not? Do we need, do you do reporting on them? Do you, you know, somehow, you know, measure the metrics of, of their work? So you just, you know, encapsulated in, in very short order some of the primary concerns that 
multiple people have when they think about remote distributed teams. The assumption is is if people are out of the office, that there is a higher likelihood that they're messing around and, and screwing off. And, you know, ironically, people can mess around and screw off in an office just like they can steal if they're in an office, just like they can, you know, they can be dishonest and have a lack of integrity in an office. So let's parse it out. What's What it basically means, and it's not a secret sauce, it really kind of comes down to trust but verify. You know, do you have some sort of an accountability structure where you've actually set up expectations, where you have conveyed those expectations, and then you have a, a, a skilled group of managers or leaders or supervisors who are then capable of holding people accountable by observing their performance against performance metrics. Mm-hmm. So, you know, part of this is. What are you asking of people? Do they have job descriptions? Do they do they have performance requirements? Do they have mm. functional do they have functional responsibilities? And do they have published deliverables? Mm. So when you're sitting there saying, you know, how do you know someone's working? Well, if they are meeting the requirements of the job uh, if they are producing the functional the functional tasks appropriately if they're delivering on whatever you have set out for them for tasks in a manner that you've laid out and you're observing this and you're providing feedback for folks and if they're off target you're going to call them on it you're going to mm-hmm. go to them and say Hey, you, you missed a deadline. Tell me, tell me why. And, you know, at first, give people the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they missed a deadline because there wasn't clarity or mm-hmm. because you gave them a piece of crappy technology that wasn't up to the task. And then you set up a security system that was so tough that they couldn't actually execute in the time frame because. You don't have the infrastructure for them to mm. do so. Or maybe they just needed to get a refresher on the tool you're asking them to use. So maybe mm-hmm. it's a training problem. Oh. You know, so identify what the issue is that's preventing them. And if they're just slacking, then, you know, make sure that they understand the consequences of continued inappropriate behavior. And if right. they, you know, can't make the grade, Cut them loose. Cut them loose. That's my favorite part of the whole thing. I'm just- you know, but cut, cut them loose when you know you've given them the best chance to be successful. It's Wait, like, you have to give them a chance to? Give them up for success. Oh, but setting them up for failure is much more funner. <laughs> and the drama and stuff is... Note to self, stop sabotaging employees and set them up for success. <laughs> Evidently, it's better, but less fun. All right, there we go. I just got, I'll I'll make some changes tomorrow. Maybe, I don't know. (laughs) I might not. It's, I don't know. I I like the entertainment value of it. Anyway, I'm sadistic. Clearly we know that. Or masochist, one of the two. So what what have we touched on about your business, what you do and how you do it? And what do we need to make sure we get in the can here? 
I think probably the biggest thing is, like it or not, the pandemic has really changed a lot of consumers' behavior and has introduced unbelievable amounts of cost-effective technology to the market that is going to have lots and lots of impact days to come. So when you think about consumer changes, when you think about a reduced workforce that is demanding flexibility, when you think about uh, a whole different set of societal rules in terms of, you know, how people are talking to each other and coming together and and what they're willing to tolerate and not tolerate, then I, I think you got to make sure you rethink your business model because we're not going back. The good old days are the good old days. And it's going to be the people who think about the opportunities in the moment like Chris Boss, who's capitalizing in the podcast world right at this point in time, yeah. right? Because we get our information differently. We connect with people differently and, you know, think about that for the future. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure people never listen to podcasts while they're, while they're on work hours. But, you know, the great thing about the podcast, the Chris Boss Show podcast, you never have to feel guilty. You could tell your boss that you were listening. So you can learn all the important data Mary is sharing with us because you want to be the best remote worker you can. So there you go. Or if you're a leader who's trying to do remote work and stuff, it, it's it's an interesting field that we're in and in kind of uncharted territory, if you will. And uh, yeah, I'm just, the one thing I'm mostly glad about is I'm not invested in commercial real estate. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's everywhere I go, I see these buildings going up and I'm just like, yeah, who's going to use that? Like, I'm just surrounded by empty office buildings that I don't know. I you mean, know, I was just, I just participated in an international conference talking about the future of work and how the current trends are going to impact. And it's changing the way houses are designed in Australia. Wow. It's re people in Europe are rethinking the use of public spaces because with more people working at home, you know, how do they come together? What does a city center look like when mm. you don't go to an office every day? That's true. It, There's no downtown sort of, you know, yeah, it yeah. really affects downtown. Here in Utah, decades ago, that's how old I am, at least a decade or two or three <laughs> or four or five. But here in Utah, we had, you know, a thriving downtown, you know, mm -hmm. and we were going to have the Olympics come yeah. to the state. This is that people are like, holy crap, he is old. And uh, you're right. And so they literally shut down the downtown. They, they, they're rebuilding the whole freeway that would be the heart center going, that's the bloodline or whatever going down to the heart of the city. And so people had to learn to use back roads and side roads for like, I think two years this went on. And it literally killed the downtown. It killed the bars, the clubs, you know, offices had to, you know, it was, it was a nightmare. Yeah. But by, by killing, by teaching a new pattern to people, and it's interesting how people adopt with their patterns. If you teach them a new pattern, it's really hard to get to go back to the old one. And so more people went to clubs or bars that were in the suburbs. And, you know, it basically everything that used to be, you know, the whole, the whole city used to revolve around downtown. And so all of a sudden it became, okay, well, no, and we need offices out in the suburbs. And, you know, it became more spread out. And it was really interesting to see the dynamic because when the downtown came back, it still was bankrupt and dead. 
because people were just like, yeah, we learned a new place to go. So we're not going there anymore. It was really interesting how, how that worked and, and, you know, and, and like how the downtown's affected because if people aren't showing up to work, it affects the restaurants there, the bars, the clubs. Yep. It affects everything in downtown. And then there were a lot of people who lived in downtown. So, you know, condominiums and stuff like that, et cetera, et cetera. So there you go. It's really interesting. It's been an interesting conversation to have about this. Anything more we want to touch on before we go out? No, I think that, I think your example is really kind of reflective of what's happened in COVID. You know, we've had two and a half years, Chris, two and a half yeah. years of disruption, two and a half years of travel was entertainment was disrupted luxury stuff was disrupted work was disrupted and now people made different habits yeah yeah and it's going to be hard to get them to go back i think the sooner companies realize that the better i mean even like hybrid and stuff but i think inflation's gas i know is coming down i heard that consumer prices for goods or consumer wholesale prices for goods is coming down. The, the supply chain is caught up. You know, things hopefully will be coming a little bit normalized. We still have a war in Europe, but that, that, we wish that thing would get rounded up. Um, but yes, to yeah. my Ukrainian friends, I, yeah. I say. Yeah. I, I heartily agree with you. And it's just, it's, it's so sad to watch people who, you can see them going through everyday lives, which were normal like ours, and they're not upended, and they're in a war zone. And and so, hopefully, you know, somebody somebody takes care of the Putin problem. But you know, it's, it's interesting the world we live in. And and yeah, you know, it was kind of funny how everyone was starting to go back to the office. They were forcing people back to the office, and the gas prices went crazy. Yeah, yeah. And you know, companies had to go. Well, crap. You know, they're spending half their day of what they would make on per hour paying for gas in their car. You know, it's just. It's really just been, it's really been a bad two years. <laughs> like I have to tell anybody, but it's great that there's resources like yours where people can utilize them to, to make do with the, the state that we're in. And uh, yeah, then it's not just make do, my dear. It is, you know, it's like, you know, how do you, how do you capitalize on it? Because mm -hmm. there are people right now who are moving and shaking in ways that are going to have very, very specific positive impacts on their business models. Most definitely. Most definitely. Well, give us your dot coms again so people can look them up on the interwebs, please. So we've got Sophia at S-O-P-H-A-Y-A dot com, and we have remotenationworks.org. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm all over LinkedIn as well. And we love having conversations about remote work. And we have my book coming out September 13th, The Remote Work Handbook. There you go. There you go. Is it going to be on Amazon and stuff? You can order it there. It's already up there for pre-sale. All right, cool. Order that book up for pre-sale, folks. You can get it wherever fine books are sold. Thanks for coming on the show with us, Mary. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, Chris. So nice to meet you and so nice to meet your audience. Pleasure. And they've learned so much. So it'll be good. It'll be, you know, this is, it's really an interesting future that we have going on. And, and you know, I'm sure that, we're all we going to barely got started. Barely got started. So enjoy the ride. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, my audience. Be sure to go to youtube.com for says Chris Voss to our big LinkedIn group and our LinkedIn newsletter, all the stuff we do on the Chris Voss show. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time.